Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Tuesday, March the 29th, 2022. It is currently 1.34 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. Now, before we do anything else, I like to do this for, I like to do this in a lot of broadcasts. Uh, so I, sometimes I feel bad because I do this so frequently that I know the audience kind of is prepared for it and they kind of see it coming. So sometimes I want to change things up, but I, I, I still like to do this because I think it's a, it's a good way to start by giving you a question, giving you something to think about. Because in many cases, by giving you that question, I'm really trying to establish what the thesis is and, and the point I'm really trying to get across. I guess the reason that that is, I, I guess the reason I'm trying to explain this is time and time again, I'll get emails or comments about a broadcast that I, that I do. And someone will be like, based off their email, based off their comments, I, I'm sitting there looking at it going, I don't think they really got the point. I don't, I think they missed the entire point of the program. They're over here talking about something that I barely mentioned instead of focusing on what the program was really about. So in many cases, the, the opening question I give you or question sometimes is really like, here's the real point. Here's what I really want you to think about. So I want you to think about this. Are you ready? Here we go. What is the purpose of the church? What is the purpose of a church ministry. When it comes to the ministries of the church, what is their purpose? Now, some may say, well, to glorify God and to honor God. By obviously, the purpose of everything is to glorify God. All right. So, so we obviously, that's kind of a given. But beyond just the simple and kind of a generic give God glory, I'm not saying that that's a, not an important thing. I'm saying it's just a generic answer because it's not very specific as far as what does that look like in everything you do. Something, in a sense, more tangible, more specific. What is the purpose of the church? Let me ask some additional questions. Do you think the purpose of the church is to attract and please and satisfy unbelievers? Do you think the church's job is trying to attract unbelievers and to please them and giving them what they want? Do you think it's the job of the church to entertain sinners or to entertain believers? These are very important questions as it relates to the purpose of the church and to ministry. Keep those questions in your mind, all right? Because that's going to be very important. Now, I'm going to reach over here, grab my iPad, because at 12.51, so that less than an hour ago, I received a message, all right? This came to us from our pod page, theologycentral.net, all right? They say some very nice things about me in the first uh, paragraph, but I'm not going to read that because I'm not here to try to hype myself up, all right? So let's just bypass the nice words. I'm very grateful for the nice words, but here is what I want to focus on. They say, a question for you. What would you, what would, what would, or what advice would you give to a youth pastor who is struggling getting kids to want to attend youth group? 
Truthful, truthfully, I want to pull my hair out some days because my wife and I are doing the best we can do, but these kids, mostly the boys, do not want to come to church unless we are having fun. So, so the question is, what do you do to try to get kids to come to church? What do you do to try to want to make them want to attend youth group? What do you do? Now, back to my original questions. What is the purpose of the youth group? What is the purpose of the church? Let me throw in a scripture. The book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Listen carefully. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 10. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. Speaking of Jesus Christ. So here's Jesus Christ. And he gave. This is what Jesus Christ gives to the church. He gave to the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Now, we could talk about those offices and when those office, some of those offices no longer exist today. But the point is, all of these offices that are mentioned here would all be teaching ministries, Right? apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers. This is all a teaching, proclaiming God's word, teaching God's word. That's what all of those have in common. That's already given you a clue, right? That's what he gave to the church. He did not give, please note, he didn't give entertainment director. He didn't give party planner. He didn't give pizza Pizza night planner, movie night planner, lock-in planner, skating planner. That's not a ministry of the church is to create activities that will attract people or please their flesh. That's never been the purpose of the church. It's never what it's been called to do. Game planner or anything else. Why did he give these teaching ministries? Verse 12. For the perfecting or the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. The purpose of the church is to equip saints, to perfect them. And we continue to do that. We continue to perfect. We continue to build up those in the faith till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, this is complete man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the sight of men and um, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. The purpose of the ministry of the church is to equip Christians so that they are complete and mature in their faith and they're not tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine and they are protected from anyone who would try to mislead them or manipulate them uh, with the word of God or the things of God. You are to equip and perfect. That is what you are called to do. I don't care if you're the pastor. I don't care if you're the youth director. I don't care if you're teaching junior high kids. I don't care if you're in the nursery. Your job ultimately is to do everything you can to prepare and to equip them growing in the faith. That is the job. And I know the church, especially when it comes to youth, I know when it comes to youth, oh, it, it's it's like, 
okay, how much teaching and equipping are you supposed to do? And how much time is really dedicated to planning the next, you know, the, t- the next teenager's outing, the next trip, the next activity, the next fun event? Sometimes it seems like you spend 50 to 80% of your time planning activities. And sadly, the reason you have to do this in many cases is to keep the parents happy. Yeah, you're trying to keep the teenagers happy, but you got to keep the teenagers happy to keep the parents happy because the parents don't want to deal with the fact that in many cases, their kids have no interest in the things of God. They don't care about church. They don't care about the Bible. They don't want anything to do with it. And if they have to have that fight with their kids who don't want to go to church, I don't like church, they don't want to go to church. In many cases, what parents will do will immediately look to the church and say, you're not ministering to my kids and that youth director is not doing his job. We're going to go find another church. And, and translation, what that typically means is you're not entertaining my kid enough to make him want to come to church. So we're going to go find the church that will give the entertainment that my kid wants. And many churches will just, okay, we got to keep the parents happy. Why do we got to keep the parents happy? Because the parents are the ones giving to the church. And we can't lose too many parents because then we lose too much giving. And yeah, it becomes all about money and maintaining numbers. But in some cases, what you have to say, what, what needs to be said, and I'm not saying that the, the youth director is the one who can say it, but sometimes it needs to be said, hey, hey, parents, look, our job here is not to entertain your kid. Our job here is not to give your kid everything they want so they'll want to come to church. No, if, if your kid wants to come to church, it should be because they want to learn about the things of God. They want to learn the Bible and doctrine and theology because that show, that's what a person who is saved desires. They desire the sincere milk of the word of God so that they may grow thereby. And don't tell me that that's ridiculous. I became a Christian as a teenager. And I didn't understand when I went to church, I didn't understand why they wanted me to have, why they wanted to do a lock-in or hot dogs or a movie night or whatever other nonsense. I'm like, I don't need the church to give me all of this. I can go out and find as much fun as I want. What I needed as a teenager is I needed a church that would teach me the Bible, how to study the Bible, how to interpret the Bible, church history, doctrine, theology. I had a million questions helping me give practical spiritual wisdom and how to navigate the teen years. I didn't need the church to give me all the fun things because I had, I, 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 I never, I never found myself as a teenager on a Friday night going, man, I don't really know what to do. I don't know how to have any fun. I wish the church was doing something because I can't find any fun without the church. I, w- I didn't need a church to give me activities and fun and trips to Six Flags and lock-ins and all of the other nonsense that we did. I needed a church that wanted to study God's word and help me spiritually. And I, and I, and I saw it with my own eyes. I would, when I was a young Christian, I wanted to go to the church on a Friday night and like, okay, teenagers, let's all study the Bible. And nobody wanted to study the Bible. No, nobody, nobody wanted to do anything. And I was like, this, this is not the way it, 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 it should be. And, th- and I didn't even understand the real purpose of the church yet. I just knew that from my lost days, well, I didn't need the church to give me fun. I could find fun. And now that I was saved, I didn't, I wasn't looking for the church to be my entertainment provider. I, I needed the church to give me that which was spiritual. The world gives you plenty of entertainment options. I don't need the church to provide me some. some. I, I need the church to give me something else. I need spiritual food or I'm going to be tossed to and fro. I'm going to be, 
I'm going to end up hurting myself spiritually. So, but the church really finds itself in this weird predicament that like it's got to entertain the kids because you don't entertain the kids. You upset the parents because the parents don't want to deal with, with Johnny going, I don't want to go to church. Well, they immediately go, well, Johnny, why doesn't Johnny want to go to church? I don't like that church. And so then the parents are like, well, we've got to find a church that Johnny likes because if we don't, then Johnny don't want to come to church and we're going to have problems. Well, then you can go find a church that Johnny likes, but maybe there, maybe you should ask your question, why doesn't Johnny like church? I mean, I mean, are you, are, are, is Johnny sitting at home listening to Christian podcasts and to sermons and reading his Bible and studying his Bible? Oh, he's not doing any of those things. It's probably a good indicator why he doesn't want to come to church. Ever think about that? Right. So in many cases, this whole problem really is because of what the parent, the parents just want the kids to like church. And so they demand certain things and churches seem to think, well, we've got to attract the young people. So they turn into an entertainment venue instead of a spiritual discipling center. It's a massive, it's just a, a whole problem. So that, that, I just wanted to throw that whole concept out there, but here's what I would say. Here's what I would say. You can't make an unregenerate, you can't, uh, you can't make, when I say an unregenerate, you can't make an unregenerate, I'll, I'll do it, I'll, I'll, instead of just adding a bunch here with commas, let's just start with one at a time. You can't make an unregenerate sinner want to come to church. You can't make an unregenerate sinner want to study the Bible. You can't make an unregenerate sinner want to sit in a, a youth group class where you're going to be teaching the Bible. You can't. Because they're unregenerate. They're dead in their trespasses and sins. Only God is the one who can ultimately regenerate a dead sinner. Now, depending on your theology of soteriology, we could get in there. But the point is, no matter what your view is on soteriology, we would all have to agree that you can't make a sinner love the word of God. You can't do that. They have to be saved. They have to become saved. Salvation, salvation is required because then as salvation, it's you've been born again and now what does a newborn want? It wants food. As a newborn Christian, you want spiritual food. You desire it. Now, yes, I understand there can be spiritual apathy and problems as a Christian. who, who They don't even sometimes desire the word of God the way they should. But there should be something there. You can't make them want to. You can't make them want to. They either want the word of God or they don't. So I, I think trying to make the, trying to give a, an unregenerate sinner, trying to figure out how to make them want to come is, I think there's, I think that's just theologically, I think that's just a, a theological mess. And I think it's, it, you're, it's missing the theological truth that they are dead in their trespasses and sins. And you can't make a dead person in their sin want church. You cannot. So, so that's the first issue. Number two, Maybe you have those within a youth group who are saved, but they are just spiritually apathetic. They are complacent. They just don't care. They, 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 they're, they're, they're just, they're, they're just in an absolute spiritual mess. Well, again, there's very little you can do, right? There's very little you can do. They can be challenged from the preaching of God's word. They can maybe receive a gentle rebuke about, hey, well, if you profess to be a Christian, I mean, something's not right in your spiritual life. They can, they can receive questions, but you can't, like, you can't just like, well, what do I do in church to make them want to come? There's something wrong in them. So either they're lost or there's something just massively wrong with them spiritually. And you can pray. And then whenever you can, you know, 
so you claim to be a Christian, right? So what's going on in your spiritual life? Like, what, what are you, what are you doing in God's word? Like asking some pointed questions and it may come to, to, to realize that maybe, maybe they're not really a, a saved. You can't make that determination, but something is clearly wrong. So I think in most cases, there's very little you can do. What I would say is this. The focus is to equip saints. Your job is to show up as prepared as you can be to teach the best lesson you can going in depth into the word of God. Make sure you're rightly dividing the word of God, teaching doctrine, teaching theology, teaching church history, teaching it hopefully in an engaging and exciting way, doing Bible like we do here on this podcast, the Bible study exercises, teaching them the Bible study methods, whether it's the chapter summary method or a topical method or thematic method or biographical method or a word study method or chapter synthesis or chapter analysis or book background, all the 12 Bible study methods, teaching them all of those things because your job is to equip them. And you just go in and your job is to give the best teaching, like your youth group wanted to be known for the best Bible teaching that can be found within a hundred miles of your church, that you're going in and you're treating them not like they're children, like they're young adults and they're ready to go. When I first became a youth director or youth pastor, youth minister at my church in Nebraska, my first Sunday was open your Bibles, grab a notebook. We're going to begin a verse by verse study of the book of Leviticus. I'm not treating you like kids. We're not just going to come in here and talk about moralism. You know, don't do drugs, don't drink, don't have uh, physical relations. Just give them moralism like they get all the time as teenagers. No, I'm like, you're young adults. Many of you claim to be Christians. Let's dig into God's word. Let's go. Let's dig in. Let's do doctrine. Let's do theology. Now, did some kids immediately hate it? Absolutely. Did some kids not want to come? Absolutely. Did some parents say, well, I think you need to do, I think you're going a little too deep for the teenagers. What? Yeah, I got those criticisms. Did I, did I get told that at least once a month or at least once a quarter, I had to plan some kind of ridiculous fun activity? Yeah, I did. And I, and I went ahead and did it, even though it wasn't always my thing. But, but for the most part, the, the pastor at least supported me that I was, I was going to turn the Sunday school classroom I mean, some would accuse me of turning it into a mini seminary, but seminary is to equip people for the work of ministry and the church is to equip people for the work of ministry. We went in. So I say this, focus on those who want to learn. Pour your life into them. If it's three of them, pour your life into them. Give them the best teaching you can. Now, I'm not saying ignore the people who don't want to come. Pray for them. Encourage them. Try to build a relationship with them, depending on, on how it works in your church. You know, try to, try to, hey, we're, we're here for you. And if you need something, we're here for you. We love you. God loves you. God sent his son to die for you. We care about you. You're going to go through difficult times as a teenager. You have someone here you can talk to, not someone here just to judge and condemn you. You try to build that relationship. Let them know you're there for them. Show genuine concern, but don't get caught up in the numbers game. Don't get caught up because the numbers game either leads you to discouragement or two, it leads you to compromise. You either get discouraged about the numbers. And it's easy for me to say uh, because, because it's always easy when I'm standing here in my study. But trust me, I'll be standing in my church Wednesday night and I sometimes get discouraged by the numbers or sometimes for Sunday school. I'm looking around going, where is, where, where is everybody? Where is everybody in my church? It's easy to get discouraged. 
But all you can do is stand and open that Bible and teach to the best of your ability. You focus on your ability to teach and what you're teaching. You just give them the best. And if you've got three or four kids there, five kids, I don't care, one kid who shows up with a Bible and a notebook and wants to learn, you pour everything you have into the one. You pour everything into that one. You encourage, you exhort, you challenge, you help them. And with the others, you let them know, hey, hey, just want you to know, this Sunday we're going to be teaching on this. You are invited. We'd love you to be there and participate in this and what we're going to be studying. Hopefully you can be there. You just, you don't, you don't treat them like they're nobodies. You don't just, just abandon them. You just realize that you can't make them want to come. You can't. You can just, maybe, maybe, I don't know how you communicate with the teenagers, email or text. You just say, hey, you just want you to know this is what we're going to do this Sunday. We'd love you to be there. Bring a Bible, bring a notebook. And I think it's going to be a great time of study. You just focus on the teaching. Now, your church probably is going to demand that you plan certain activities. When it, then plan those activities, make them fun, invite. They'll show up to the activities and just continue to pray, build relationship, encourage. But you're, all you can really do is just focus on the teaching. You, you, look, there's some things you can't do. You can't regenerate a dead sinner. That's a work of God. You can't make someone who completely spiritually apathetic and not caring all of a sudden magically care. There's no magic words. You can pray, and and, then, and again, depending on your relationship with them, sometimes you have to say, hey, guys, how are you doing spiritually? What's going on in your spiritual life? What's your struggle? Where, where, what are you doing? If, 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 if they claim to be Christians, then, you know, what's going on? As a Christian, you should be desiring God's word. You should have a hunger for it. You should desire it. You should want to study it. You should want to read it. But but don't, sometimes we so focus on trying to get those who are not interested, interested, that we overlook the ones who are there. It's easy for me to do that. Look, I'm not saying this, I've got it figured out. I can walk into Sunday school on Sunday, right? And I'll be like, okay, all right, we're going we're gonna to do this in the book of Jude, because that's what we're currently working on. And I'll look around and I'll be like, oh man, everybody's gone. We'll go, wait a minute, not everyone's gone. I got two people or three people or however many people are sitting there. Focus on them. Now I do. Now it's one thing. It's, 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 it's okay to be honest about your frustration. Don't let me get it wrong. I'm not saying put on a fake smile. You, yeah, you, you, you and your wife in private can be like, man, it's so frustrating that people are not showing up. That's perfectly okay. And you shouldn't be condemned for that because I get frustrated too. But at some point I've got to just, I can't focus on who's not walked in. I got to open my Bible and do the best teaching that I can. That's what you have to do. You have to focus on that, not the numbers, because again, numbers will either lead to discouragement. I, I think this is what focus on numbers, I think it does three things. Discouragement, compromise, because then you just start like, okay, we got to make this fun. We got to, we got to, how can we attract kids? Well, you're trying, in many cases, you're trying to attract lost kids. You're trying, the youth group is not there to attract lost kids, it's to disciple Christians. Now, your church may have a completely different view of eschatology, or, or ecclesiology, I should say, not eschatology, eschatology, study of, of end times, I know that, ecclesiology, where they may think the church is really their, its primary focus is evangelism, and they want you to bring in the lost kids so that you can evangelize. I think evangelism happens outside the church. That's why the Great Commission is go. 
and then baptize, then you bring them into the church to disciple. But but so your church may have a different perspective, and I and I understand that. But my thing is is to bring in to try to attract lost people to the church. You have to usually compromise what the church is supposed to be. And you know what usually happens? Those ministries that are attracting a lot of lost people and trying to bring in people who don't really care about the things of God, you have to turn it into such a program-oriented, an event-oriented ministry that those who really care about God's word, they find themselves starving to death. So in many cases, you starve the sheep to feed the goats. We shouldn't starve the sheep to feed the goats. The church is about the discipling of the sheep. Once the, and the sheep are then to go out and minister, minister and call those goats, quote unquote, to repentance using that analogy. But back to this. So I think, I think this is what happens when you focus on numbers, you get discouraged and then it can lead to compromise where you start starving sheep to try to somehow please and entertain the goats. And that's, that's horrible. Or number three, you get distracted. You get distracted from what you're really supposed to do. You get distracted from teaching and, and, and that, and you, you're focused on numbers. I, I think the question should always, what can I do to teach better? What can I do what, to go more in depth? What, what can I do? Uh, you know, what, what books do we need to study? What doctrines do we need to study? What, what, what skills do they need as young Christian adults? Do they know how to actually study the Bible? Do, do they know how to look up Greek and Hebrew? Do they know how to use a commentary? Do they know how to use a concordance? Do they know you, how to use the Blue Letter Bible app to look up a Greek and Hebrew word? Do they know how to do cross-references? Do they know the different types of cross-references? Do they understand that in the Bible you have different kinds of promises? You have promises that are not applicable. They're not even applicable to them because those promises are, you know, for... Judah coming out of Babylonian captivity, whatever the case. Do they know the difference between a conditional and an unconditional promise? Do, do they know any hermeneutical principles? Like, like those are the things that those Christians need as they need to know how to handle God's word because God's word is the, is the key to their spiritual growth. I, ju- I just think youth ministry... I can't speak for all churches, but in many churches, it seems like youth ministry is almost like a tradition. Hey, you, we have to have a youth ministry. And the youth minister, in some cases, is kind of put there to be part-time babysitter, part-time entertainment director, and then they're supposed to throw in a little Jesus. And I, I, in many cases, I, I don't even think the teenager should be separated from the, from the, from the congregation. I think they need to be right there in the main sanctuary being listening to the word of God and taking notes on the sermons. That's another thing. Do your, does your teenagers know how to take notes on a sermon? I don't know when the youth, uh, youth group meets, but let's say if the youth group meets, let's just say they meet on a Wednesday, then have everyone pull out their notes from Sunday and talk about the sermon and, and, you know, what, look, relook at the text and what did we get from the sermon and, and you know, how to, how to process a sermon, how to analyze a sermon. I mean, there's so many different things you can do. Uh, I, I think focusing on that because there is no, I mean, again, you, you, to try to bring in the numbers, you it literally almost always leads to compromise or it leads to, you got to water down the teaching. And, and and what about those kids who really want to learn and grow? What about the kids who really are 
they're, they're believers in Christ. They need to be discipled. They need to grow. And it just seems like, well, at least in my, and all I can speak is from, from my own experience. When I was a teenager, the, the focus of the ministry, of the youth ministry, was on all the kids who either didn't typically come to church, and it was about entertaining kids. It was lock-ins, pizza parties, trips. It was all about entertainment and fun. And I was sitting there literally starving to death. So guess what? I, I gave up on the youth group and even you know, hoping to accomplish anything or to even help me spiritually. And my hope, my help for me spiritually came from one, I went to the Bible bookstore here in Abilene, Texas on Butternut Street. My first book was a book on systematic theology. Second book was a book on uh, Bible study methods. I came home after school every day, starting at around three. There were three pastors who came on the radio, and I had notebooks where I took notes on all three of those. That that I was I was discipling and growing completely away from the church. The church contributed very little. There was an older woman in the church. I don't know, 70s, 60s, 70s. She felt like she was 100 to me as a teenager. And I would go to her house after school and sit on the floor. She was in a rocking chair. And this woman knew doctrine and theology. And, and I would just sit there and listen to her and she, whatever she wanted to talk about. And I, that's where I got my discipleship. Not really from the church and definitely not from the youth group. I got zero from the youth group. I got trips to Six Flags. I got lock-ins. I got pizza parties. I got zero from the youth group. I can't even tell you one doctrine I was ever taught. I can't even tell you one decent Bible lesson I was ever taught. And, and ultimately, I, I think I stopped going to the youth group and I, and I found myself, I was going to the different adult Sunday school classes. I think I went to like the women's Sunday school class. I went to the men's. I went, I, I went, I started just walking around going to different classes because I was like, this is an absolute joke. It, it's, there's not, do, they're not doing anything for me. That's my experience. Now, if I was one of those kids who they were trying to attract to get me to, to come to entertain me, I may have better memories of it. But I, I was one of the kids who was starving for spiritual food and the youth, youth ministry was focused on everyone else. So that, that's, that's my, I hope that helps. I, I'm kind of, I keep looking back at the chat. I doubt the person who emailed me is even listening live. I keep looking back at the chat to see if they're like, well, wait a minute, what about this? The person who emailed me, feel free to, to follow up. And, and again, I know your limit. Please, I want to make sure I understand this. As a youth director, you, you're controlled in some ways by the theology, methodology, philosophy of the church, and especially of the senior pastor or whomever, however your hierarchy of your church is structured. They're really going to determine this is what you're going to do in your youth ministry. Now, what you can do is to kindly, not in an, a rebellious way, in private say, hey, I'm, I'm thinking kind of a different philosophy about our youth group. What do you think? And they may disagree and you've got to do what they tell you to do. Don't, don't be, don't cause trouble. Don't cause a church split. Don't cause rebellion. Um, but so you may be very limited in what you can do because you may try to go in uh, the kind of more of the direction I'm talking. And immediately there's just full-blown rebellion in your church. And they're like, nope, we don't want that in the youth group. I want my kids to be entertained. I want my kids, kids to like church. And in many cases, that's all you can do. And at that point, you have to decide, can you do it or can you not do it? If you can do it, great. If you can't, then you, you, you won't be able to continue on in that role. And that, that would be very discouraging. Hopefully, that's not the case. I, I'm hoping that your church will have the, 
maybe a, a different, maybe a correct philosophy. I'm saying correct. I know, and I'm saying that because obviously I, I believe strongly in the philosophy that I'm putting forth, and I believe it's biblical. But I understand there's differences of opinions here. Trust me, I know. I know that I'm in the minority of the minority of the minority of the minority of the minority here. I understand that. And that's okay. There, there's not every, I mean, I, I've always said that the way we do things in my church, I don't expect other churches to do it the same way because if every church was doing it the same way, then there would probably be fewer churches. Well, we, we try to be an alternative to most churches. I just want you to think about from a biblical perspective, those who don't want to come are most likely unregenerate and they need the gospel. They don't need entertainment. Now, if you provide entertainment and they show up, treat them with love, treat them with respect and dignity, try to build a relationship, make sure they know that when, as a teenager, when things go horribly wrong on a Friday night and they're broken and they don't know who to talk to, that you're available and they can call you and that you're there to help them and to listen to them and not to judge them. At the same time, you, you will ultimately point them to the word of God. They need, a, they need a place that's safe and a place that they can come with those struggles and difficulties. So you want them to know that. So I'm not just saying, well, you guys don't like the things of God. I'm just done with you. No, you just, you're just not going to turn your youth ministry into simply trying to please them and entertain them. I, I guarantee you. And, and you said that's mostly boys. That means you got some young women there who probably would be, would may, hopefully they're hungry and, and thirsty for the things of God. Th- then feed them, feed them. And, and my ministry, what I have seen time and time again is it's women who typically have more desire for doctrine, for theology, for church history, for learning how to study the Bible. I've seen, I've seen, I, I, I sometimes you ask, where are the men? But if, 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 if the men don't want to come, if the, if the young boys don't want to come, there's very little you're going to be able to do to convince them to come. I mean, if you're teaching God's word and they're a Christian, well, that you're giving them what should should make them want to come. You're giving them the word of God. You're giving them the very food they need. So look to those young ladies. I'm like, all right, open up that notebook. Let's jump in. Let's go. Let's go. What and give them what you think they need, and then also let them give input. What would what do you want to study? What what spiritual questions do you have? You know what 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 book looks interesting to you? What topic looks interesting to you? And then dig into it as deep and as theological as you can. Let them be able to ask questions, expressing doubt. Don't don't. But, bash them over the head for questions of doubt and no let them struggle with their faith that's the whole thing working out their salvation with fear and trembling let them work it out help them along that path so i i I know it i know it can be discouraging man it can be discouraging when you've got teenagers and they just don't care they don't care about the things of god and they don't want to come and i know you're like you want them to be there and that's praise god that's a good 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 uh spirit and the right heart you want them to be there but What's your choices? Create this program. It's a, it, almost every solution is a program, a new program, a new, and, it, and you know, or, or hey, make sure the, the youth department, make sure the youth, the youth room has a ping pong table and, and it's fun and there's games and it's got to be a fun, cool place. To, it's all about trying to, you're doing, most every program I've ever seen is tried to, to attract, to try to appeal to the flesh. Here's the thing. If you appeal to the flesh 
to bring them in. You've got to continue to feed the flesh to keep them. What you, what you use to attract them is what you will have to give them to keep them, which turns you into a never-ending cycle of new programs, new events, new entertainment. And at, you'll just burn yourself out. Not only that, you stop being actually a ministry. You just become the YMCA. You just become the boys club. You just become, you just become a, another social club entertaining young people. You're, you're a youth minister. That's youth ministry, minister. And how do we minister? Through the proclamation of God's word, teaching doctrine, perfecting, equipping saints so they're not tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. Until there's unity of the faith, they know the faith, they know the doctrine, they know the church the church history. That's where I would say, put the focus. Now I've gone 36 minutes, <laughs> 36 minutes. There's so much more I could say. I hope this has been helpful. I hope. I, I will do anything I can to help you. Um, to the person who emailed, you can email me anytime, newsif at yahoo.com. There's a direct email, newsif at yahoo.com, 24-7 email. I will do anything I can to help you. Um, and and and, and, I, and, and even, even if your church has a different philosophy than me or a different perspective on you know, ecclesiology and, and the purpose of the church, I will still do everything I can to offer advice that may fit in more with your church's philosophy. I will do whatever I can to, to make it as, as, as productive as it can be. But I believe Ephesians 4 is the purpose of the church, to equip saints. And I believe that's true of the youth ministry, to equip saints. It's never been there to entertain them. So I, that, that's kind of my perspective, you know, that's kind of my perspective. The, the one, the one event that we took, uh, you see, we didn't, we haven't taken our teenagers to too many events, but one, one event we took our teenagers to just to show you how radically weird we are. We took our teenagers to a debate between Bart Ehrman and Dr. Wallace at Dallas Theological Seminary. And it was a debate over the early uh, manuscripts of the New Testament. So yeah, that that's what we did, and yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a pizza party, it wasn't a lock in. So now, guess what? Not all kids would think that's fun, and I understand that. And a lot of kids wouldn't think it's fun to study the Bible. I understand that. Those who do, well, that's probably those who are saved, right? I mean, when I, before I was saved, I didn't care about studying the Bible. When I became saved, well, then, oh, it's God's word. Wow, it's the inspired word of God. Wait, it's my spiritual food. Wait, I'm to desire it more than gold and silver, more than the honey and the honeycomb. Now that's directly from Psalm 19. So uh, you you can give your young people a lot of things. I can just, I can just, I can 100% be dogmatic about this. Of all the things you can give those young people, entertainment is not one they need. They need a safe place where they're free to ask tough questions and express doubt and, and struggle. They, they need a, a place where there's not always just judgment and condemnation. Sometimes they have to be called out for sin, just like we all do. But there's, there needs to be a safe place because they're young, they're struggling, they're going to have their ups and downs. And they need a place where they're being fed the word of God. And they're not getting a snack. They're getting a full meal, proper spiritual nutrition. 
we'll stop there. Uh, okay, someone says, I think this is great advice, but the person who said that grew up in my church. <laughs> so she, she, doesn't, she doesn't know anything else. She doesn't know anything. Well, she's probably seen other things from other churches. But yeah, she grew up in, the person who's responding in chat grew up in this. And you'll know, I, I kind of pretty much just, I just taught the word of God. And I, I, I don't, I never try to get involved. I don't, I tried not to get too much in, into the teenager's business. I kind of let them be them with their struggles and their difficulties and let them try to figure it out because there's only so much you can do. I mean, you know, I mean, they, you, 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 if you, if you're going to have a youth ministry, then you have to you know, figure out how to, to work that. And again, and there's all kinds of with, with youth, there's also, also all kinds of boundaries you have to have, right? Cause you don't want anything inappropriate to happen. And, and many parents don't want too much, you know, interaction with the youth director or the youth director to have too much access to the young people. And you can understand why with all of the crazy things that's happened in our culture with uh, abuse of uh, sexual abuse of young people in churches. So you can understand that. So sometimes that even adds like, you know, what can you do? You know, what can you do? So that, that probably, I didn't answer all the questions. I didn't answer all the questions, but um, I'm just, I'm just trying to give you a different perspective. That's all I'm doing. And and again, I'm willing to help you any way that I can. All right, any way that I can. But yeah, I have I have strong feelings about how most churches do youth ministry. I do. And I know uh, most churches have far more successful youth ministries as far as numbers are concerned. But then you look at what those young people are doing. I mean, here's here's what find some church that has a massively successful youth ministry. They've got hundreds of kids and they're everything just seems there's excitement and zeal. And then just talk to those young people. All right. <laughs> uh, uh, well, that's true. We didn't technically have a youth group, and and, and this person survived. Who's who's commenting and, and the things? But here's what I would say: find one of those massively successful youth groups that everyone's bragging about how great and wonderful it is. Look on their church website and see all the things the young people are doing. It's a lot, lot. Usually, it's a lot of fun and activity. And then, if you can find those kids and just ask them basic doctrinal theological questions about the Bible, church history, and just in many cases, you'll just realize they have no clue. So then, what what's so successful about that youth ministry? And I, I'm I'm not. And just so that you know, I am by no means. I'm not a fan of uh, church camps. I have a whole philosophy on that. I think church camps, in many cases, employees isolate, indoctrinate, and manipulate. Hey, let's remove these kids from their environment. Let's put them here. Let's isolate them. In many cases, no cell phones, no this. Okay, then teach, teach, teach. And in many cases, that teaching, what comes with it is some kind of an emotional manipulation. The kids have a big emotional, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to rush hell with a water gun. And then they, 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 you see the complete collapse of everything about three months after they get back from church camp. And so, yeah, I, I, I have strong feelings against that as well because I, I don't need to isolate or indoctrinate. I just like, oh you, oh, you want some intensive study this summer? Okay, well, come to the church every day this, this next week, and I'll give you, we'll, we'll study the book of Leviticus. Let's, let's tear into it. And, well, most teenagers don't want that. They like church camp. Why? For all the entertainment and all the fun. That's why many kids go, and then they end up, you know, having to go to, in, in some cases, some worship services that are very manipulative, playing on their emotions. Which then, typically, it's a it's a big high, and then I come crashing down in destruction, and and it's ugh, I, I don't I don't like I don't like 
young people are vulnerable enough emotionally. It's too easy to manipulate them. The last thing you want to do is manipulate them. So there you go. Um, whatever I can do to help, I will. But at least I wanted to give you a perspective that you, you, I'm assuming you probably asked a lot of other people for help. And you can compare my help with their help. And mine will be probably the one that's, that's going to be viewed as weird and radical. But I think you needed to hear an alternative perspective about youth ministry and maybe how to focus on it. So, all right, there you go. You can email me directly, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. But I wanted to answer this question as soon as possible. So it took me about an hour, but hopefully it will be beneficial. All right, everyone have a great evening. We'll probably do, we'll probably try to do at least one or two more uh, live broadcasts, maybe this late afternoon, maybe. Um, it'll be, it'll be around four if I can, if I do anything today. All right. But I've basically been up all night. So there'll come an hour where I realize any further attempt to do live broadcasting will be detrimental for everyone involved. All right. But all right. We'll stop there. Everyone have a good day. God bless.